Hello, everyone joining us at home, and hello to my BC colleague, Drea Humphrey. I'm Tamara Ugolini, and you're watching our daily live stream. It's, uh, I thought I was going to say it's Tuesday. It's actually just Monday, <laughs> Monday, August 21st. How are you doing over there, Drea? Well, I'm good. Uh, we're getting a lot of the smoke. I think we're going to talk about the Kelowna fires and more. So uh, air quality is pretty poor here. But aside from that, we're good. Good. Well, the picture is coming in nice and clear. So <laughs> I hope yeah. that mine continues on that path. The internet is we're always dealing with issues and the studio is still being uh, taken care of. It's under renovation. And there was a, a small flood that happened last week. So we had to cancel the live stream. And so we're back to remote hosting where possible for this week. Um, so stay tuned. If you don't subscribe to us on various platforms, I recommend that you do so that you can be kept up to speed at a moment's notice if we do end up having to cancel anything or you, know, you just never know what kind of news will break. So it's always good to make sure that you subscribe. And that being said, we're streaming on a few different platforms. So Rumble, Odyssey, Getter, and YouTube. I don't think that we'll get into any YouTube nitty gritty that goes against their ever-changing and evolving community standards. So we hopefully won't have to worry about that. Um, and there are, being Monday, there's some weekend news to go through. And I guess we should just get, get right into it, Dre. And you're in BC and you're close to the wildfires. You said you're smelling some of the smoke. Do you want to lead the path on our first topic there? Sure. Yeah. I'm about four hours away in a suburb in the lower mainland. And so for the last few days, it's uh, been filled blanket with smoke. But of course, we're not experiencing anything like the people in Kelowna. I'm hearing that over 30,000 people have been evacuated. And of course, um, that's horrible. There's a lot of homes that have been burnt. Um, and then it affects their tourism uh, season as well, which is something else that's going on. Uh, we have a report here we can kind of get an update from. It's from CTV and it's about NASA's mapping data, which shows the extent of the wildfires across Canada, because let's not forget, uh, they're also blazing in the Northwest Territories. Um, so the mapping shows that the extent of the wildfires raging across the Northwest Territories in British Columbia, with several towns have been damaged, forcing thousands of residents to flee their homes um let's just say i'm scrolling down a bit it says the satellite imagery shows most of the west and northwest central regions of canada in a sea of oh my gosh i always do this i always click on like the ads by mistake and then lose my marking but you can see the little <laughs> map there and it shows the areas of where the fires are at um and then it says much of the fires in northern canada are, you know, it says the area, sorry, trying to catch up to where I was going. I did know where I was going with this. Um, yeah, here, uh, between Fort Smith and, and Hay River. So it says right. much of the fires in Northern Canada are between Fort Smith and Hay River, Northwest Territories and Northern Alberta, where there are three out of control fires, according to the Alberta wildfire status dashboard. And so, yeah, it's great that they have all these interactive maps and you can kind of stay up to date because due to Meta's bans on Canadian news, which is another topic that we can, yeah. I guess, just, just naturally get right into because of those bans, yeah. you can no longer stay in touch or stay in tune on social mm -hmm. media to get the latest 
breaking news. So you have to now go to each independent broadcaster to try to decipher and siphon out relevant and irrelevant content. Uh, so this is our one of our contributors, Alex Dollywall, wrote this up. Uh, just mm. yesterday. And the headline here is meta bans on Canadian news prevents prompt access to wildfire locations and um, is even hindering some evacuation plans, apparently. So BC, uh, British Columbia and the Northwest Territories both have declared states of emergency in regards to these these raging forest fires as they encroach on cities, including West Kelowna and Yellowknife. Um, and tens of thousands have fled their homes under duress from evacuation orders, which is the exact opposite, really, of what happened in Maui. And maybe we can touch on that in just a minute. But in terms of this article, um, it just uh, gets into some of the scary details of the evacuees. Um, and one of the people, I guess, interviewed by the CBC said the ongoing bout between Meta and the federal government had worsened a difficult situation with thousands left in the dark from the outset, because I think this is only really two weeks, roughly, from when Meta started banning yeah. Canadian news sources and news and content on their platform. So that's Facebook and Instagram, where many mm -hmm. people would search out um, news-related activities, great source of social engagement and, and interaction and, um, and debate. What happened on that platform? between friends or whomever. And so now yeah. that that access has been restricted, a lot of people aren't even, they're still kind of figuring out how to go about the news and, and getting access to it because it's so fresh. And then this um, tragedy happens and people mm -hmm. are really left in the dark scrambling over whether or not they, where they're going to get their sources, their new sources from. So that's really unfortunate, especially yeah, because- really Meta doesn't need to do this right right now. The law, the legislation isn't meant to come into effect until 2024. So this was, in my opinion, their way of saying, like, look, this is how things are going to be if you yeah. move forward and, and actually formally enact and, and give this legislation royal assent, which won't happen, they say, until about 2024. Um, mm -hmm. But this is kind of like meta threatening the government showing the people what this actually means once it's instituted. And um, yeah. so there's been some back and forth there between Trudeau and Meta and the government and Meta and, you know, from a business perspective, Meta and from the government, we want to control all the content perspective of the, the Canadian liberals, the federal liberals, I should say. Um, and so Meta could rein this in and they could say, okay, we're not going to institute this right now, but I don't know what difference it really makes, whether they do it now or in six months um, regardless, this this is a heavy-handed piece of legislation, and they're just not willing to abide by the stipulations. Yeah, I mean, you said a lot there, and it is so unfortunate that at times like this, there is an exception, no exception being made, which is something I would like to see. I'm a little torn between, uh, you know, it's almost like I understand, I can't believe I'm saying mm -hmm. it, uh, Meta's perspective on this. Um, and then, you know, Trudeau just comes back with saying things like, oh, it's unfortunate they don't want to support Canadian media. But, you know, the Trudeau government is reminding me a little bit almost of like the cartel going around to the businesses and saying, you owe us a cut you know what I mean when no other country's doing that but I do think when it comes to emergencies uh, it would make sense that there is an exception for that I do remember when the premier of British Columbia uh, David Eby came out and said oh you know we're not going to be doing ads on there the premier did say except for emergency ads so 
um, I guess, I don't know if that's even allowed. I, I suppose maybe Meta saying, no, we're not even letting you guys do ads. So it is unfortunate. One thing I do want to mention about the fires as well is there was a very large fire uh, similar to what we're seeing at this time in Kelowna as recent as uh, 2003, because I know, you mm -hmm. know, with the fires, they there's always this narrative that, you know, it's, it's the first time it's ever happened. Uh, so 2003, there was quite a raging fire. I believe it started from a lightning strike. Um, and I think it was 27,000 uh, people who were displaced. So this one that we're experiencing right now is more with the 30,000, like I said. Um, oh, we've got a there we go right there. So the Kelowna 2003 on the left. And then you can see from the right, the food uh, professor is just pointing out um, that this isn't the first time we've seen something like this in that area. And the 2003, when I was looking up some of the, the statistics, they had roughly 20 um, hectares, I believe it was. 20 mm -hmm. hectares. Let me just double check um, that. So actually, and this is right from the city of Kelowna. Let me just share that. We can pull it up yeah. on screen here um, because, uh, yeah, but they say in this article, so if we can pull it up and this comes, as I mentioned, from the city of 25 Kelowna, hectares, it looks like 25,000, sorry. Yes. 25,000 25, yeah. hectares of forest mm -hmm. and park um, were destroyed in that fire in 2003. Mm -hmm. And they say the second paragraph I found kind of funny, the one in a hundred year inferno began with mm -hmm. a lightning strike on August 16th. So the timing is really very similar here, but um, they alleged at that time in 2003 that this was one in a hundred years. And, yeah. you know, here How we are fast know? track, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fast track 20 years later, uh, pretty much to the date. And there's a similar fire here ravaging now. It's not out, it's still ongoing, but, I, right. but the last known report that I had heard was that it had engulfed roughly 10,000 hectares. Yeah. So about half of what it did at in, in the 2003 fire. And yeah, I think I it's mean, getting close maybe, to it now. Um, I think maybe I wasn't paying attention then, but I mean, I didn't hear this climate alarmism 20 years ago no. uh, around this fire that had a more broad scope in terms mm -hmm. of the area that it engulfed. And maybe this one will get there. You know, I pray, obviously, never would wish that, but I hope it is put out soon and this is an end to it. Um, yeah. But it's funny to kind of go back and contrast the reporting from 2003 with a larger span of fire versus what's happening now in 2023. Um, and it's all about, you know, the climate alarmism. And I think there was that tweet too by our former environment minister, Catherine McKenna, who's now works on the UN, I don't know, climate crisis committee or something. Um, she is saying there, uh, yeah, so she had this, this one tweet here that she talked to a friend and her anecdotal story about <laughs> how the Kelowna, Kelowna burned down, the fire burned down his house in Kelowna. Um, and, and basically she ends it there with, we all need to wake up to the climate emergency. She had mm. another tweet too, or maybe it wasn't her, but someone was calling out uh, Pierre Polyev because he, so leader of the conservative party, he had to cancel one of his engagements there. Oh yeah, it was her again. Um, <laughs> he, uh, Sorry, that's not the one I'm referring to. Um, but yeah, she's just putting out a bunch of a string of tweets on this and basically like aiding the hysteria that this is somehow related to uh, the climate crisis and the climate emergency. And we all must be very afraid. Um, yeah. and, and I guess 
Oh, let me see if I can find that tweet that I was referring to that Polyev had to cancel one of his engagements. Let me hold on. Let me see if I can find that if you want to, uh, no if you have any comments yeah, there, I Drea. Just, I was just going to say that fear is such a great motivator, especially if you want to mm -hmm. up the taxes or you want to control the people like we saw with COVID. So it's kind of like, there's a saying, and I'm probably not going to remember it right, but it's like, don't waste a good, um, you know, like disaster. Don't let a crisis. Like. Yeah, yeah, good prices go to waste. There yeah. you go. And that's kind of what we're seeing there. Like what exactly are higher climate taxes or climate taxes going to do to prevent things like this? Um, and, you know, I guess while you're looking for that, we can even throw to uh, Prime Minister Trudeau's comments about Meta in this whole situation since we did touch on Meta. So this is how Trudeau is responding when it comes to Meta not backing down on not showing our news right now local news is so important and the work that uh, people are doing to share messages and keep people informed with safe uh, up-to-date information is unbelievably essential to keeping Canadians safe that's why and I'm going to make a comment on this it is so inconceivable that a company like Facebook is choosing to put corporate profits ahead of ensuring that local news organizations can get up-to-date information to Canadians and reach them where Canadians spend a lot of their time, online, on social media, on Facebook. Facebook made billions of dollars in profits over the past years, including off of Canadians. And we recently passed legislation that says Facebook if you're going to be sharing news or work done by Canadian journalists or local news, you have to make sure they're compensated for it fairly. Well, instead of making sure that local journalists are fairly paid for keeping Canadians informed on things like wildfires, Facebook is blocking news from its sites. In a larger picture, that's bad for democracy because democracy depends on people being able to trust high-quality journalism of all sorts of different perspectives and points of view. But right now in an emergency situation where up-to-date local information is more important than ever, Facebook's putting corporate profits ahead of people's safety, ahead of supporting quality local journalism this is not the time for that this is the time uh, for Canadians to continue to pull together and be there for each other it's time for us to expect more from corporations like Facebook that are making billions of dollars off of Canadians yeah, yeah. it's like you know the pot calling the kettle black because it's also inconceivable that Canada has a law that's putting us in this position, whether or not it's been passed or not. Like he, Trudeau's not backing down, but he just loves, he, it's like the saying that we just said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Cause now he's like, Oh, great. Uh, this can just show that Facebook's the bad guys. And let's face it. We all know that uh, if Facebook is to fall in line with this, it's really just another way for Trudeau to give more of his state preferred media money. Uh, certainly independent news outlets like Rebel News and True North will not be getting any money for Facebook because Canada will not probably recognize them. So it's just 
Oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah, and always he's like, and this is a direct hit on democracy. And yeah. I mean, I agree. I agree with that sentiment because, I mean, social Facebook meta did build their platform based on providing quick and timely access to news. It used to be called your news feed. Now it's just called a feed. Um, so they did build their platform on this idea that, you know, you could share, easily share broadly breaking news. And, um, but, but they would have continued to do that and provide that platform if the liberal government didn't meddle in their business with their heavy handed, ambiguously worded legislation that, um, has now hindered Canadians yeah. access to news on that platform. And, and yeah, they, they will prioritize their profits, of course, and whoever the uh, state sanctioned media and the state approved media is will profit while the little guys g continue to get squashed. And I mean, that's been happening for a long time with Meta's also their community standards and the things that they deem as wrong think or wrong speak to use those Orwellian terms from the yeah. revamped or from 1984, which <laughs> we've revamped. And you can buy yeah. that at buy 1984.com. I think it is or .ca. Anyway, um, yeah. so, so yeah, I agree with the sentiments of Trudeau in that sense, but I mean, the inability to self-reflect and say, well, it's actually our piece of legislation that's responsible for this banning is just, uh, just continually highlights the hypocrisy of yeah. the government and what they do and claim to be doing and how it actually is instituted on the ground um, in real time. So yeah. and um, just quickly... I know we're probably, it might even be in the ads, but I think this is a good time to mention that we have found a workaround around this. So if you still use Facebook, unfortunately, I still do. <laughs> I don't know why I'm still on there, but I am. A lot of people are. Over 70% of uh, Canadians do get their uh, news online. Um, so we have partnered with a really good brand uh, for a VPN. Uh, you can find out exactly what that is, but it will basically help protect and keep your activity online private so that you can bypass sort of stipulations like this and be in the know, even on Facebook with Canadian news. And I think the URL is PIAVPN.com uh, slash rebel news. And it's like 83% off right now. So really, this is a way for you guys to keep in touch with our content, but then also situations like this that, you know, mm -hmm. potentially be life saving when you really look at it. So yeah. And thank you for doing it. I think, I think we'll show that actually, maybe we should go to um, a quick ad break and show the great ad that you did with that in partnership with that VPN company, because yeah, that's, that's the workaround here is for Canadians to continue to get yeah. access to their news by using this, any VPN, but um, this one in particular has a great deal on. So maybe we can just go to a quick ad break and come back to um, some Ontario-specific news. We're facing an imminent threat. A planned blackout of all news content in Canada is coming to Facebook and Instagram, threatening to silence rebel news and those who depend on us for the other side of the story. The cause? Well, Justin Trudeau's new censorship law, Bill C-18, which demands social media companies pay news outlets for the news stories their users share on the platform. It's a shakedown and a desperate attempt to keep the mainstream media afloat. It seems the billions in taxpayer subsidies just aren't enough to keep the country's propagandists in business. 
but Meta, Facebook's parent company, has chosen to block Canadian news content rather than comply, Rebel News included. Many have already lost their ability to access our Facebook and Instagram pages. The blackout will soon affect every user in Canada. But fear not, we have had a plan to protect your access to our news content. We've partnered with Private Internet Access, PIA, a VPN provider dedicated to safeguarding digital privacy. For just $2 a month, you can maintain your access to our content across all your devices. And unlike other VPN providers, PIA does not store any user data as it's automatically deleted from their servers to avoid leaks and government subpoenas for information. Their servers are located in all 50 states, not the ones in communist China. You can visit PIAVPN.com slash rebelnews and enjoy an exclusive 83% discount and four months free. Use it to bypass regional restrictions and stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world. And stick it to Trudeau's new censorship law. Safeguard freedom of speech and join us to combat Trudeau's censorship today at PIAVPN.com slash rebelnews. All right. Now, I couldn't find that Pierre Polyev tweet that I was referring to, but essentially what it got to was that he had to cancel his event um, due to the wildfires, but something about how he's silent on the climate emergency and won't take action and da 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 um, So that's what that was about. And I can't, I don't recall where it came from. Anyway, I couldn't find it, but we have this other great uh, tweet from <laughs> leader of the opposition, the Conservative Party of Canada where um, Six Buzz TV, so he shares a screenshot here from a headline from Six uh, Buzz. A large majority of Canadians now view Trudeau's carbon tax as just a tax that makes life more unaffordable and does nothing for climate change. I mean, here, here. And yeah. he says Trudeau's carbon tax is a cash grab and nothing more. All will Trudeau's tax to bring home low prices. Yeah, I'm really actually nervous heading into this winter what this Ugh. these additional taxes are going to do to our not only our heating costs but also our grocery bills um oh. we see like the inflation is just continuing unabated and even if inflation is kind of stagnant and, and reaching a plateau there's still highly inflated food prices and when you're feeding a brood of children or yep. you know anyone, that's where you anyone, really notice you're in the service industry. Like I'm really, uh, I feel for a lot of the people who rely on groceries and, and everyone relies on groceries, obviously, but I'm talking specifically about industries like the food and beverage industry, which was decimated by the COVID lockdowns and the restrictions that were imposed on them by the government. Um, but now moving forward, we are seeing just how insane the grocery prices continue to be in Canada really affecting Canadian households especially those families there are there are parents who are choosing to either not eat completely or really spacing out their own meals so that they can continue to feed their children I mean mm -hmm. this isn't what you would be hearing typical of a first world developed nation and no. I think it's only going to get worse as we head into the colder months. Yeah, it definitely will. And, you know, it's already putting even more pressure on people who were already struggling to feed their family before. I think they're showing that uh, people in general are just buying less. I mean, perhaps that's in some ways a good thing if you were uh, buying a lot of junk food and stuff. But you're right. The kids is where you really see it. I could happily eat like cheese and 
jalapeno olives and a pepperoni stick every day for dinner but you know the kids gotta <laughs> they they gotta have the full meals and I'm really noticing it there and I'm really noticing it uh with those you know sort of like the the special treats that you would buy your kids or something it's like whoa we're not getting that anymore like that's ridiculous the cost of that so uh for example um Costco which generally you go if you want to save some money um those big large bags out here are like ten dollars now if you get the big bag of like chips or something like that and it's like okay we're cutting that out might be a good thing mm -hmm. but not really it's crazy how much we're noticing the infl inflation and it, it absolutely is just a tax grab uh which i think we have a, a video about how some people may respond to that with perhaps some f trudeau merchandise they buy um and trudeau is asked actually about what his thoughts Oh, we don't have that video. Okay, never mind. <laughs> there is a video floating around um, of him responding to that. But um, yeah, I wouldn't have an F Trudeau thing. Comment if you do. Um, uh, but I can see why some people are doing it, I guess. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up comment because I think I missed that in our housekeeping oh, introduction. But you can engage directly with us if you want to give comment or feedback or give us a tip or just have your comment read on screen um, by giving us a small monetary donation on Rumble specifically. So YouTube <laughs> has completely demonetized us. Um, and really we, we risk being deplatformed completely, uh, yeah. almost every time we post anything controversial, which is a lot. So, um, if you want to engage with us or send us a comment, a tip or a trick, uh, you can do that on rumble through a super chat. I think it's called, um, and rumble it's a great rat. way. Yeah, I always get confused because there's so many different platforms. It's hard to keep up. Even, even for me to check my email, I'm like, wait, which email do I need to check right now? Which one did yeah. I already check? Anyway, um, and so it's a great way for you to support our independent journalism and also get your comment read on screen. Um, as you know, we won't take handouts from the Justin Trudeau liberals, which is why they haven't approved us as their state-backed media and why we would um, suffer from the the legislation that they have, Bill C-11 and Bill C-18, most recently the Online News Act. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think we actually have a couple that have just came in. So we'll read those before we, we get into this Ontario-specific okay. Oh, and article. we did find the video, Olivia says, of Trudeau responding to that if we want to go to that. But kind of funny sure yeah let's read these and then we'll go um we'll go to that one cool beans 89 gives five dollars facebook would be the last place i would go in a crisis or for any news yeah that's fair enough um <laughs> fb facebook should not be trusted and how out of touch blackface he missed bce and their layoffs and aiming for a single national newsroom yeah, I mean, when you have a liberal appointed senator, which I wrote a few pieces about this, um, right. I think it was specific to Bill C-18 or C-11, but uh, this liberal specific appointed senator was calling these pieces of legislation Orwellian. He was saying it's reminiscent of, of Stalin's Pravda. You know, that mm. is pretty extreme, especially, yeah. as I mentioned, coming from a liberal appointed senator. And so uh, that I mean, that lends to the severity and the, the scope of these bills when a senator is, is calling it those things. And yet it's still passed through the Senate 
Um, it yeah. just hasn't been enacted yet. I, I flubbed earlier. It did re did receive royal assent. That's Bill C-18, the Online News Act. It did receive royal assent, but it just hasn't been enacted yet. So Meta right. is preparing for the day it will be enacted and is as a precautionary thing going ahead and abiding by the legislation as it stands for the time that it will be enacted, which is any day yeah. um, or expected, sorry, into 2024. But uh, we'll read this other super chat and then we'll play that video. Jetta Bursi gives $5. Is he in a library? T most <laughs> used words during his speeches are to keep Canadians safe and miss disinformation. Yeah, and now even to uphold democracy, right? Everything yeah. that he does is the the for to have the truth prevail yeah. and to uphold the democratic debate. And at the same point in time, his actions are speaking louder than his words there. Mm -hmm. um, here, yeah, let's play this, this clip. Look he's probably attending, and... a, he's, I know, he's probably attending a drag queen <laughs> story time right after. Maybe he's the, uh, the, this, the person doing it. For democracy, of course. Yeah. And just, uh, this is unrelated, but this past weekend I was camping with my family and um, there was a vehicle that was a part of our, uh, it was our neighbors basically, and it had a bumper sticker on it with your name and an expletive. Um, We've all seen which it. I had to explain to my children. Um, given that you're trying to do something that has rarely been achieved in Canada in history, a fourth mandate, um, have you considered the possibility that you have become a liability? Ooh. Ever since the pandemic, um, in particular, we've seen uh, an increase in uh, polarization and frustration and anxiety and mental health pressures on a whole lot of people right across the country. Nobody has been unaffected by that. And part of uh, the challenge we have politically is that we are seeing uh, deeper polarizations. Hmm. Go figure. But don't write off Canadians just because they choose to wave, wave a nasty flag. Don't write off a neighbor who uh, chooses to put a bump, bumper sticker that unfortunately you then have to explain to your kids. People are hurting out there. And what we've seen every single time there's been an emergency or a challenge this summer is neighbors stepping up to help each other. This is who Canadians are. Neighbors weren't allowed we are to, a big, to each other. Optimistic, diverse country with a diverse range of political views. And it's one of our strengths. Oh my gosh. Another one of our strengths is how we pull together when times are tough. That's what we did during the pandemic. That's what we do when we work together to invest in early childhood education. That's what we do when we work with municipalities and provinces to build more housing. That's what we do when we invest in our future all together. Now, politics is never going to be a game of unanimous support. It's about a whole bunch of thoughtful, good people coming together to try and figure out the best way forward. And yes, there are people who are hurting, and there are people who are lashing out, and we need to be there to reassure them that they're going to be able to succeed, that their kids and their communities are going to be he able to it? succeed, even though the world is changing in very scary ways. He hasn't answered the so question. I'm not giving up on anyone. <laughs> Thanks to him. I'm going to continue yeah. working hard every day to build that future that we all know Canada can have. We are the best country in the world. Mm. Let's keep making it better. <laughs>
Oh, you're in charge, buddy. Oh my goodness. There's so much to say that all of a sudden now he cares about mental health. First of all, I don't know if he's saying everybody with an F Trudeau flag <laughs> is, uh, you know, needs mental health, but during the lockdowns, he could care less about how people were being affected mentally, the anxiety that was being increased, yeah. kids uh, wanting to end their life and trying to commit suicide. I up to like 300 more calls going to help centers for kids. Yeah, where was your your passion and your careness then? It's like, we all know who you were just a year ago. You can't just do this script. He is a good actor though. I will, you know, it comes out naturally. Like he yes. is a good actor. He's become That's what a good he is. actor. Yeah. He's a drama teacher. He yeah, is exactly. a drama teacher. He's very good at drama. And oh, how the times have changed since he last um, campaigned in 2021 yeah. for the snap election. Yeah. And you know, now that he's seen his his divisive tactics that he literally campaigned on a mm -hmm. mere two years ago have become a liability, which is what mm -hmm. he was asked about. Um, he's now completely switched gears and said, "We oh, we can't write off Canadians. Oh, the polarization, the mental health, the anxiety. We have yeah. to have compassion. This is literally, we have this montage and it's about just over two and a half minutes. So maybe we won't play the whole thing. Maybe we'll just play about half of it. Um, but we have a montage of Trudeau two years ago where he advocated <laughs> there for you go. to write off Canadians. Ugh. disregard compassion um, polarize people and and really was the cause of a massive amount of people's anxiety and mm -hmm. devastation to their mental health I mean look at this guy two years ago he's yeah. a lunatic yeah if you don't want to get vaccinated that's your choice but don't think you can get on a plane or a train beside vaccinated people <laughs> and now is the time for people who are still resistant to getting vaccinated to realize that that choice which has consequences on putting our kids at risk which has consequences at having us risk uh, more lockdowns because they haven't chosen to get vaccinated yet that there will be consequences for those people in not being able to go to a gym or a restaurant not being able to go to a movie theater, not being able to get on a train or a plane. I want to stand up for the choice of those who are there for their neighbors, not those who are risking us all going into further lockdowns <laughs> of slowing our economic recovery. Trying to bring people together is not always compatible with science, with respect for human rights, with wow. the best way to move mm -hmm. things forward. I mean, when Aaron O'Toole talks about, oh yes, we need to unite people, we need to bring people together. <laughs> he's talking about defending the rights of people who are anti-vax. That's why we've been unequivocal. If you want to get on a plane or a train in the coming months, you're going to have to be fully vaccinated. So families uh, with their kids don't have to worry uh, that someone is going to be, put them in danger in the seat next to them or across the aisle. Unfortunate. Yeah, I'm getting sick now. The people who... <laughs> yeah, we can just cut. Am I the only one? It, it goes... I'm getting sick. That's too much Trudeau for me.
<laughs> it goes on and on. And I mean, you can see there based on like the, the, the atmosphere and uh, yeah. his clothing, like this is multiple engagements that he repeated this dangerous segregationist rhetoric. Mm-hmm. I mean, this went on and on for, for months, really, yeah. under the regime of the Justin Trudeau liberals. And now fast track, uh, now that he's become a liability, as the reporter truthfully inquired about, um, and they're like, they're crashing in the polls, the Liberal Party. Yeah. Um, now he's really done a 180. And uh, I don't, I, I guess, sh- I don't think we should be surprised. He's... No. He's a politician. He's flip-flopping whichever way the polls will go. And we should so do a, we're seeing that we, in real time. We should do a montage now cutting back from what he's saying today and then the dates of uh, back and forth because <laughs> that would be really telling. But Well, and yeah. it's really I, nice I, to have I, that. For, there's for the always people record. in the comments. Oh, sorry. There's a little bit of a delay, I think. But there's always people in the comments who are like, do not show Trudeau. So apology <laughs> for that. I know we need like a trigger warning. You know how they have the trigger warning. In the- yes. <laughs> if you like, yeah. just caution for- Trudeau's face will appear in this live stream. <laughs> for him and uh, Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland, because yes. both of their voices are just like nails on a chalkboard oh. <laughs> to me. And Dr. Bonnie Henry, at least for the British Columbians. And Teresa Tam. Yeah. I mean, we could probably, the list would go on and on, (laughs) but um, do we want to, to go to a quick ad break before we get into the rest or do you want to rush through? Let's go through the Ontario um, thing really quickly because uh, this is kind of a growing groundswell of what you've been dealing with in BC really Drea for the last 25 or so years and that's to do with this idea of harm reduction of illicit drugs and uh, the safe consumption sites are somehow going to lead us out of an opioid crisis. So here we have news of the government of Ontario reviewing supervised consumption sites after the fatal shooting of a 44-year-old mother near the Leslieville consumption site. So it opens here, this is by City News. Um, The Ford government has launched a critical incident review of Ontario's supervised consumption sites after the fatal shooting of a woman near a site in Toronto's East End in July, so approximately a month ago. Um, A spokesperson for Health Minister Sylvia Jones said that all sites are expected to comply with strict requirements, and the review will start with the South Riverdale Community Health Centre, which was uh, near the scene of Carolina... Kubner Makarati, I think is how you pronounce her last name. David Menzies did a report on this after her death. So uh, there was um, suspected to be gang-related activity happening, stray bullets. This 44-year-old mother was just like walking peacefully um, as a unthreatening, unsuspecting pedestrian. She was hit with one of these stray bullets and she died. And so in response to this, now there's been three arrests, one of which is um, a worker at this community outreach center. Um, and I'm just trying to find her name here. They are, so the P- Toronto police have now arrested 23-year-old Khalila Zara Mohammed of Pickering, who faces charges that include accessory after the fact to an indictable offense and obstruction of justice in relation to this murder. Um, And so this really lends the question, and for those of you who haven't watched Aaron Gunn's documentary, uh, Canada is Dying, I highly recommend you do, because 
he makes a really salient point in there. And he says, when does this become, when does this stray from harm reduction to aiding and abetting? Yeah. And so and here we have a story. A well, enabling yeah, too. enabling and abetting. <laughs> yeah. And here we have a story of one of these community workers who, um, I think it was Brian Lilly from the Sun, Sun News who mentioned this woman was previously hailed on CBC for her decriminalization advocacy efforts uh, mm-hmm. with illicit drug use and also for her harm reduction. She was part of the harm reduction program at this particular uh, health center. And so these are the voices that you really see amplified by the mainstream media, by the CBC themselves. They have re- reports with this this woman who's now been arrested and albeit she you know, should have access to a fair, timely trial. Yeah. So, you know, these are allegations and charges at this point. She hasn't been proven to yeah. be guilty of anything. Mm-hmm. But this is a clear indication that there's more to this harm reduction strategy than just what we hear about by from the CBC. It's all rainbows and butterflies. And we're taking yeah. people out of the throes of opioid addiction. And you can see it mm-hmm. in BC, Dre. I mean, the bulk of that uh, Canada's yeah. dying is based on what's happening in uh in your province well and also credit to aaron gunn he also has a vancouver is dying which is very specific obviously to vancouver but you're right uh you know the narrative is that this is all you know uh lollipops and rainbows and uh there is i guess some stats out there that show that crime is going down in the immediate area um but what's happening in the street oh you know two streets down is a a different story and you know it's really sad we have business owners moving um they're just saying it's not safe anymore they're losing customers that are coming um things like that and i think the main thing for me as somebody who did uh volunteer a lot of my time um in a homeless shelter and things like that is as soon as we start missing the multi-pronged approach to actually helping people who want to be helped uh, with addiction, that's where we're really doing a disservice to this whole Mm -hmm. issue. It's not just um, the fact that they use, yes, they can go use clean there, but then when they're couch surfing on their friends, uh, you know, for a month, they're not going to even leave the house and, um, you know, their drug pushes are still in their life. And so there's a lot of trauma there. There is co-occurring disorders. There's a lot of mental illness and things like that. So uh, this is my biggest concern with it is that we're missing the mark on helping people, especially those ones who uh, do want to be helped. And uh, they need they need a lot more than a safe, um, you know, consumption site, and they need years of help with that. So this is where um, I get upset with this whole thing. (laughs) Well, and that's another part that Aaron Gunn touches on in his documentary is the four pillars of recovery. Mm -hmm. And it starts with prevention. And then the fourth, I I can't recall what the second and third pillars are. Maybe you can chime in there, Drea, but the first one is prevention, (laughs) obviously, and the second, third Mm -hmm. pillar. And then the fourth pillar is harm reduction. And for some reason, we've disavowed those first three pillars, especially that prevention aspect, and have jumped instead right into harm reduction, which you can look at the stats and I'm going to have an article um, that kind of pulls from this particular story uh, that Ontario is reviewing their supervised consumption sites because I looked at the crime stats in that area because the this area is known specifically where this happened was in Leslieville and that's the area of South Riverside in Toronto and um, and the, the residents there in Leslieville are saying 
we're seeing an increase in crime and violence. And so I actually went on to the Toronto police, uh, their, their data sets, and I had a look and it's pretty stark, the, the increase in things like assault and otherwise. Um, but I think there comes a point too, where the crime just becomes so rampant, the police stop responding to a lot of it. And so when you yeah. see a drop in the crime rates, I think that's just because the police have stopped showing up to a lot of these more petty petty calls um because there's just complete lawlessness it just and also our judicial system you know you're Mm -hmm. you're catching release at this point with a decriminalization um of bill i think it was c5 in Mm -hmm. roughly 2017 so i mean the police can go and arrest and arrest and arrest but within hours the um alleged criminals are back out on the streets so what's the point really yeah and in BC, we're so progressive in this area, but our overdoses are not decreasing. They are increasing. So what do you exactly. say about that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's coming to a town near you. It's why we've launched a campaign at, at uh, fixourcities.com. And um, we're doing some some work there to bring attention to and shed light on this issue. Because as soon as you institute these safe consumption sites, I mean, even in Coburg, the town that I'm from, there's these unsanctioned overdose prevention sites, tents popping up. And they come every Friday night from, I think, 6 till 10 p.m., um, and, and two weeks ago, there was two overdoses in that time frame that they were op- in operation. And, um, and so even worse off, you have these unsanctioned sites popping up. And so these people aren't adequately trained in harm reduction. They're not trained how to deescalate, how to deal with psychosis, especially drug-induced psychosis, and even adverse effects due to Narcan. Because if you give somebody too much Narcan, they become violent and aggressive. And, um, and it's just out of control, really. It's a, it's a real mess. Um, so that's why we've launched that spe- special campaign there, a petition, email ba- blast. And I think there's even talks about a billboard truck. Um, so if you haven't already, check yeah. out that website at fixourcities.com. We'll kind of consolidate all of our reports on this subject as it continues to evolve there. So check it out. But uh, maybe we'll go to an ad break, Drea, and then we'll come back and chat about uh, some of the lgbtq stuff it wouldn't be a daily roundup without it (laughs) (laughs) do you want to start feeling like your pre-covid self again you're not alone the wellness company's spike support formula is an all-natural supplement to help people do just that it was created by cardiologist Peter McCullough and his expert team of doctors to help the people experiencing effects from covid and the you-know-what. It contains natokinase, dandelion root, and Irish sea moss, which are all associated with impressive research for people who want therapeutic effects to help them feel like their old self again. So if that's you or someone you love, head to twccanada.health and use coupon code REBEL to save 10% when you do. That's twccanada.health. Look, you're tired of supporting companies that eagerly rejected unjabbed consumers like modern day lepers, why not buy supplements that were created by an ethical team of doctors from an ethical company? Go to twccanada.health slash rebel today. All right. Speaking of health, I guess (laughs) we have this 
latest uh, hit piece from, well, I shouldn't call it a hit piece, not really a hit piece, <laughs> but this latest piece from the CBC uh, posted yesterday. And it's a first person account. After coming out as trans, my return to sex work has been unexpectedly rewarding. And I'm terrible at pronunciations, but this comes well, this from. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Ivia Shimshon Abadia Wong, I think. Yeah, sounds, sounds good to me, Tamara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I like, I don't even know where to start with this one, Drea. It's, uh, I, I'm so shocked that this is news, you know, know in today's day and age. Trash. Well, it says, uh, well, they go by them, got into sex work because it's helped them make ends meet during times of financial hardship. However, her, oh, maybe it is her. I'm so confused now. Her newfound confidence in their transgender body and queer sexuality has made her realize they might finally be ready to leave the profession. Okay, that was such a confusing paragraph. They are interchanging her and them over and so, over. so I guess they are a new, they, her. Yeah. Yes. There's a new one where you can be a she, they, or something or a, oh my God. a her, they, I, yeah, you can be all of the pronouns depending on what day it is. Um, so that might be what's happening here. And so but, we don't know uh, what biologically they are. Oh, it's so confusing. And there's a new one. I don't know if you heard this and I, I forget how to pronounce it. It starts with a Z, but now there's this new one and maybe it's just the, you know, the people on TikTok for now, but they're saying, you know, they can't be summarized. So they are not to be addressed at all. Have you heard that one yet? Like there is no way to pronounce them. Uh, there's no pronoun. You just don't I'm... address them by anything. Oh, I'm like, this oh is... my gosh. This is, that is just so extra dehumanizing. I have not heard, yeah. I'm hearing about this for the first time right now. And that is just awful. Oh, Imagine God. just having no self-worth that you're like, just don't address me at all. Yeah, exactly. And I thought the it one was bad because that's out there too. They're being called to it. But basically, um, yeah. And why is CBC publishing this? Like, this is not uh, a mainstream sort of issue. You know what I mean? Like, this is just one crazy situation. Um, since my money was already safely stowed away. Okay, no, that's it. So this is a, is this a journalist from the interior of BC writing this, right? This is, yeah, the, I don't even think it's a they they are a journalist. Uh, oh it's a first gosh. person column, and I guess right. this individual okay. has um, has written other pieces for the CBC. But um, basically, it's glorifying prostitution as a way to get you out of pro poverty. Essentially, is is how I read this article. Um, I guess it is about a man who identifies as yeah. a woman. Um, if you scroll down and see the picture, it clearly looks like a man I said it oh my goodness I can't help it it's too confusing I don't know what to say there you go so it says yeah uh, because if you misgender somebody it's violent like that is raging violence if you misgender them so you have to be uh you have to be so careful these days because I guess words are violence now mm -hmm. um to these people but, but yeah, essentially this article is giving this first person account of this man who's actually, who's now identifying as a woman um, doing sex work and how it wasn't part of their 10 year plan, but they, they're, they're glorifying um, 
prostitution, essentially mm-hmm. selling your body for money as a way to to get out of poverty. Yeah. And, and of course um, they call it sex work. Yes. Yeah, all the language around this, around these things, um, to to under the idea that it's destigmatizing certain uh, illicit acts um, mm-hmm. is what you're seeing clearly on display here in this CBC article. Mm-hmm. I'm not and surprised then- anymore. I'm done being surprised <laughs> on what what's going to come next with this stuff. I did. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll hold this one. I'll do a report on this one because I got to get my facts straight. So we'll just move past what I was going to say. <laughs> but uh, keep checking uh, stopclassroomgrooming.com and it will eventually be up there. But that's where we throw a lot of this stuff, especially when it obviously connects with the kids. Um, mm-hmm. But the normalizing of doing sex work just to get by and things like that, it does find its way to the kids. And that's where I'm going with an article that I'll be coming up with. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. ripple effect that the mainstream media has on amplifying this, these kind of voices, right, to use the language of the left, which I love doing, by the way, people are like, oh, Tamara is a liberal in disguise. No, I just love using their language in a way that is not against them, but just just using that language yeah. because it seems to be the way that they want to take things. So I'm yeah. going to use their language. They're amplifying these voices of, mm-hmm. of, you know, a clearly mentally unstable individual who has identity, self-identification and identity issues, who's mm-hmm. engaging in illicit acts for money, illegal mm-hmm. acts for money. And you have your mainstream media glorifying and amplifying this individual and their story and their lived experience. And so when you amplify these voices in our mainstream media, our state-backed media, our government and taxpayer-funded media, this ricochets down. It has a ripple effect. And of course, this is going to start infiltrating our school systems that are also state and taxpayer-funded and getting into the the hearts and the minds of our children. This Mm -hmm. is uh, the natural progression and the way that things will grow and ripple and ricochet out. And yeah. so, yeah, absolutely. That that um, effect is we're seeing it play out in real time, especially if you have children in the school system. If you're talking to teachers in the school system or the uh, support workers or your own children, you're seeing and hearing in real time what effect this is having in that system. And it's really, it really unfortunately ends up affecting a lot of the already marginalized and at-risk youth, people who don't have a solid family home life to go back to, Mm -hmm. children in foster Mm -hmm. care and state care. Um, So it's really sad to see how much this agenda is capitalizing on those vulnerable at-risk youth and are really capturing and recruiting them into this idea of uh, gender being a social construct. And then as we've seen with people like Billboard Chris, that leads to uh, medicalization of these children and potentially even mutilation of these children. Yeah. And as they become adults, which we're just starting to see the the recourse and the repercussion of that now, because we have nothing to base it on historically, um, they are regretting their decision with with their very grave regrets and repercussions for their decisions and we're we're living it it's really sad to see it all unfold 
Yeah, the UK was a little bit ahead of us, but like you said, not not much ahead, right? So they had, I think, a thousand families come together and for a lawsuit to sue what was the most popular gender clinic there, a Travistock gender clinic, which is closed. So I suspect we're going to see some similar cases come up in uh, the next couple of years here in Canada. But there's this whole drive to destigmatize things, and something should have a stigma on it. We're not talking about you know men people with mental illness where of course yes there shouldn't be a stigma about it we're talking about drug use which they're trying to destigmatize and we're talking about prostitution which is an extremely dangerous lifestyle to live it is not safe at all and it is often Mm -hmm. overlapped with drug use which of course is another health risk so some things should still have a stigma on them. We don't need to water down the phrases and call it sex work. Like it's no big deal because it does, um, you know, put you in a dangerous path. Yeah. And I mean, I, we should stigmatize, as you said, criminality, right? Like the whole idea that we should decriminalize certain things has just Mm -hmm. led to and fueled more criminal activity. Um, so I guess, you know, there's again, a very clear instance of failed liberal legislation because it did the exact opposite of what somehow they thought or intended it to do. Um, Decriminalization was supposed to get people the help they needed to reintegrate into a healthy, robust, functioning society. And instead, we're seeing again, it play out in real time uh, that the exact opposite has happened. Like that that, uh, gentleman, I think it was somewhere in the Norfolk County area, who killed that OPP officer a few months Mm. ago, had like 50 plus charges against him, Mm, uh, was out on bail. And and so you see that repeatedly over and over again. But getting back to um, the the idea of gender as a social construct and this trans rights or human rights, which is the chant that you hear repeatedly within this community, Um, We have a little video here to share with our viewers about New York City's Commission on Human Rights and how they basically force businesses um, with more than 15 employees to attend attend annual gender training, if you can believe it. I can. (laughs) (laughs) Now you will watch a video about gender. The video is audio described for people who are blind or have low vision. In a classroom, two people present. We're going to take two minutes to talk about gender. Oh, this has nothing to do with me. Well, actually, gender does have to do with you. Not to me. Hold on. Everyone has a relationship with gender. Whether you've thought about gender a little or a lot, it has impacted you. How you were named, what clothes you wear, expectations about what jobs you can do. And you get the point. Yep. Every single person watching this video has been taught about gender from the very beginning, from birth. We like to define people, right? So when people are born, society defines them by looking at their reproductive organs and labels them male or female. It's a girl! Well, actually, it's more complicated than that. Gender can be broken down into gender expression or gender identity. Let's look at some gender identities. I'm Sophie, and I'm cisgender. The majority of people in our world identify as cisgender, sometimes without us even knowing it. Cis means Uh, I identify with the gender I was assigned at birth. uh, When I was born, the doctor said, It's a girl. And I still identify as a woman today. Hi, I'm Tamara. 
I'm also a woman. Oh no. So when I was a baby. <laughs> man holds a blue blanket. Uh, it's a boy. Tamara pulls um, away the blanket, revealing a pink one. No. I'm a trans But woman. I thought the colors don't matter. as a woman. Even though when I was born, I was assigned something different. A man who is deaf signs. I'm Garrett. I'm a cisgender man. When I was born, everyone said... People throw blue balloons. And today, I identify as a man. Hi, I'm Bailey. People surround Bailey with pink. And I'm also a man, even though I was assigned female at birth. People tear away pink to reveal blue. I'm a trans man. Hi, I'm C. Hi, I'm Lindsay. And we're non-binary. For me, that means I don't identify as either a woman or a man. C and Lindsay are handed multicolored balloons. And for me, that means I don't identify with the gender at all. Lindsay tosses balloons. Okay, but... <laughs> What's the okay, but? Yeah, that's where I am the whole time. Okay, but. I mean, why, why all of a sudden, like, colors mean something. They're like, gender means nothing, and you were just groomed this way as a child because you were given this color and this color. And they're like, no, I'm the other gender, so I need this color. And then they're like, oh, the colors don't matter. Like, can we stop normalizing dysphoria like you know, mm -hmm. it's this isn't normal and they're talking mm -hmm. to adults like idiots in this video um they're leaving out science and biology there are differences between men and women biologically that is a fact um and so they're just completely ignoring that oh, mm -hmm. well and i mean have at it with adults if you'd like, like have a robust yeah. discussion, debate it, be like, wait, okay, but, and then ask those questions and see what the answers are. Because when faced with scrutiny, these people really just, they, they can't debate. That's why they target and harass people like billboard Chris, who literally just walks out, walks around with a billboard saying, uh, children can't consent to hormone blockers or, yeah, or puberty blockers have, or what. Yeah. He wants to have yeah, a He just wants to have a, Exactly. And they can't even have a conversation. So it's like, sit down, shut up, watch our video or else. Yeah. And, and, and this must is for comply. work. So yeah, like you're trapped. If this, if your work is showing this, you pretty much have to watch it. If you don't watch it, you're a bigot. You're probably going to get fired or sensitivity training. So you have to sit through there and watch the propaganda, you know, like it's like, you know, almost like, uh, what do they call those camps, the retraining camps in China or something like that. You have to sit there and sit through it and be silent about it or else. So. And if you don't add your pronouns to your email signature, oh likewise, oh yeah, that's, uh, that's employment suicide right there. Uh, if you oh. have an employer like this, but the inability to have a conversation and to ask those pointed questions without being labeled as a transphobe, a bigot, a far right extremist, whatever other label they're going to put on anybody who questions whether or not this is legitimate. And most importantly, whether or not this should be taught to children, right? Because mm -hmm. children are already navigating like, like it's not until the formative years that they truly recognize that their parents are not an extension of them, that they are independent and individual from their parent, their family unit. So children are really starting off on this foot of confusion and trying to navigate yeah. the world and figure out who they are, what their place is, where they fit in. And, um, and then you're throwing this kind of confusing 
rhetoric at them. I mean, no wonder these kids are just lost in outer space. They can't figure out if they're a boy or a girl, let alone what they want to do in the world or with their Mm -hmm. lives when they grow up. And they're stuck in this perpetuality of confusion. And um, I think that's where it gets really out of hand. Um, If you want to, if you want to have these conversations with adults and, and try to throw these things at somebody who can think critically and ask those critical questions, Sure, let's have that discussion. But to just to target children with this kind of messaging and to teach it in our school system unabated, um, that's exactly why we have that that website and campaign at Stop Classroom Grooming, because this is just continuing unabated and it's proliferating uh, primarily public schools. But we're seeing more and more now even the Catholic school system, private school, Christian too out here. Yeah, and parents aren't being told about it. And that's the issue where you're, you are you have these young, impressionable children. And as I mentioned, a lot of the ones that are captured by this are already kids who are struggling with an identity because they don't have a great home life. They don't have a solid family unit. Um, maybe both their parents aren't in the picture. They're not together and or they're already in foster care. So this is really devastating to an entire generation and we're starting to see the fallout of it, but it's going to take a few more years, just as you know, with the pandemic lockdowns, for instance, if you brought up any of these mental health concerns, you were labeled uh, a selfish grandma killer. And so yeah. when it was March, May, April, May, 2020, and you're saying, hey, these lockdowns and restrictions are unprecedented, they've never been done, what's going to be the effect of social isolation? And school closures on children, nobody knew. And if you questioned it, you were a, a selfish grandma killer. And so now yeah. we're seeing the exact same thing play out. You know, we have had a little bit more time to collect that data, but we're going to have to wait and see uh, really what the true fallout of this is. And I think it's going to be absolutely devastating because there are real world physical implications when you start transitioning a child at a young age yeah. into their adulthood that they don't realize at the time that's informed consent. So anyway, we could go on, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> for hours talking about all the the prongs of this issue, which at the end of the day is the fact that children can't consent to hormone blockers. That's what Billboard Chris, that's, that's the basis of his argument and mm-hmm. that I agree with in the informed consent component of this. Um, mm-hmm. And we're not going to see what the true devastation and medical fallout of that will be for probably yeah. another half to a full generation from now. Yeah, it's a um, very so really unethical, sad. very unethical social experiment is what we're yeah. uh, living through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now, you know, the the mono, the monotonous uh, bathroom situation where it's just no gender at all. I'm seeing it more in clothing stores, you know, Gap. I think Joe Fresh more recently also brought out uh, gender Ugh. neutral clothing lines. I saw that. It's like, no, those are just sweatpants. All sweatpants are ge- anybody can wear a sweatsuit and they're like, oh, this is the gender neutral. It's like, no, that's just a colored sweatsuit. But anyways, (laughs) I don't know. I remember being a teenager and like, you know, wearing um, my boyfriend's pajama pants or sweatpants. And there was clear differences in the groin when and so I walked into Roots a couple, I don't know, a couple months ago and they had a actually so Roots too. They had a gender neutral line, but I didn't realize I was I was looking at the table and I'm like, you know, those are nice sweatpants. But I'm like, are these men's or women's? And they're like, oh, actually, they're neither. They're gender neutral. I'm like, oh. So it doesn't matter if you have a, a penis or a vagina and the, the But we the had unisex. Working. We had unisex so before. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's so funny. 
Oh he, my like, who says that just point blank out in public? <laughs> well, that's just me. Um, but anyway, yeah. I would prefer to have a more fitted pant. So I'm looking for, you know, right. a woman specific track pant. Anyway, yeah. if you're not, all the power to you. But uh, exactly. yeah, I, I, there are obviously physical and biological differences between men and women. And the clothing does fit differently depending on how your body is structured. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm right. sure we'll talk about this next time. I don't see any more chats. And uh, we're a little bit over time, but it's been great uh, doing the show with you, Tamara. Yeah, likewise. Great to join you, Drea. Thanks for for being here and being available as our studio continues its um, renovations and more renovations. And I think it's buildthedream.com if you want to chip in and see how the studio has evolved over the last few months and maybe even over the last few years. We should do like a throwback to where the studio started to where it is now. But um, anyway, that's for a later day. So thank you to everybody who joined us at home. Thanks to everybody behind the scenes who makes the live stream possible from getting the graphics up to social media management to super producers, Olivia and Efron. And of course, to you, Drea, we'll have a team of rebels here again, same time, same place tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern. And um, we'll see you then. As David Menzies would say, stay safe and stay sane. JP Tasker, CBC News. Prime Minister, I want to ask you, how are you feeling after your recent separation from Sophie? Um, first, I want to thank all the people who've reached out um, over the past number of weeks uh, with warm wishes, with personal messages, with uh, personal stories uh, that, that have been just wonderful and positive. I got um, a really good 10 days uh, with the family, to focus on the kids, to focus on uh, being together and moving forward. And I really, really want to thank uh, Canadians for having been so incredibly gracious and incredibly generous in respecting our privacy and our space. Uh, it, really, um, it really makes things easier.